When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by Brazen Color Country. They sell livestock handling equipment and they're located in Kanab, Utah. You can check them out on Facebook or you can also go to the Brazen website, which is brazen, B-R-A-Z-Z-E-N.com to see what they have to offer. Our other sponsor for this episode is Escalani Yurts. If you were ever in the southern Utah area and you were looking for a great place to stay, I would highly recommend checking them out. You can look them up on Facebook, Instagram, or their website is escalaniyurts.com. If you or somebody that you know is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please feel free to send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciate all of the sponsors that I've had so far. It really helps keep this podcast going and um, helps us to be able to reach out to more people. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate Brazen Color Country and Escalani Yurts for sponsoring this podcast. With that being said, let's dive right into today's episode. Today I had the opportunity to sit down and visit with Roger Gardner. He lives in Washington, Utah, and he has cowboyed in Nevada, Utah, and Arizona. Hope you enjoy his story. I didn't really get a chance to tell you thanks for letting me oh, that's fine. letting me come and meet with you. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear your story. Well, I've got a lot of stories, and I don't know what you really want to hear, but uh, I've cowboyed in Nevada and Arizona before I got married. About six years in Nevada, a couple years in Arizona. In fact, it's the first year my wife and I were married. I took her back down on a ranch and made a cowgirl out of her. <laughs> nice. She knew how to ride, uh-huh. but I taught her. And if I could doctor in cattle and I could rope head one, she could heal them. She got pretty good. If I didn't get them windmilling, if they just sat, you know, <laughs> yeah. she could set a trap. It was a lot of fun. We rode, that was our honeymoon that first year we were married. Then the kids started coming and we had to move back up here. So I've and I caught cowboy in four or five big outfits in Nevada. One big outfit, the biggest outfit I w- rode for was they had 800 head of mother cows and 4,500 head of steers out of Mexico and Louisiana when you could bring them out of Mexico. Wow. I don't think you can now. We had 10 Mexican cow- Is this going now? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, they had 10 Mexican cowboys that I can't tell you where they're from. 
because they weren't quite legal, but the good cowboys. And, <laughs> and this was in Nevada? Mm-hmm. So 800 mother cows. Mother cows and then 4,500 head of steers. Wow. And there, by Austin, Nevada, there's a lot of big meadows along the Reese River, and we just heard them from meadow to meadow because they grazed it all. We ran a little bunch of them up in the Toyobi Mountains, too, out of there. And I'll tell you, I was kind of green when I went into that country. I'd cowboyed around hometown-type cowboy, like Jensen, for people, and broke a lot of horses when I was growing up. But when I got there, I learned what cowboying was. And I, I always loved the rope. I've been a roper all my life. But when I worked on that outfit, it's the only outfit I ever worked on where I got so tired of rope and I didn't want to rope anymore. <laughs> but the next day I was ready to go again. Because when they brought those Mexican steers in by the truckload, they had already been vaccinated and all that when they shipped them, but we had to rebrand them. That's all we had to do was rebrand them. And, and they'd come in two or three truckloads at a time and we'd take turns roping. It um, was well, great, I tell you, I loved it, I loved it. I don't know if I could do it now, but I used to be a pretty good roper. I'm mostly on ranches, but I did do some team roping around here for a few years. And, but to me, I, I'd rather be out in the sagebrush and the cedar trees and the pines than in an arena. I can rope better out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. What would you say the biggest thing you learned while you were in Nevada was? You said that's kind of where well, you learned what a cowboy was. I, I learned about, I had never shot a horse before. And they almost fired me when I told them that. So they got this old cowboy to show me how to shoe horses one day. And we had to tie some of their legs up and we had to hobble them. I've even had to lay one horse down to shoeing me was so bad. And I learned the hard way. and. Uh, that was a big learning thing. And then, one short story, we were herding a herd of cattle up the Reese River Valley towards the home ranch, and two bulls started fighting, a big old bull and a little feisty one. And I've got this story wrote somewhere now, but I was riding a three-year-old colt in Old Manor Road a few weeks, and he wasn't too handy yet. And those two bulls started fighting, and they were getting behind the herd, so like a big shot, I rode up, you know, to get them broke up and going, but they don't pay attention to you. And the young bull decided he'd had enough, and he turned around and lowered his head down and right under my horse's belly and tipped us upside down and dumped the horse down on top of it. Oh. And the cow boss come along, his name was Slim Sellier. He was a tough old guy, a guy from New Mexico. First thing he did is check the horse out. Then he checked me out, and then he chewed me out about as bad as I've ever been chewed out. <laughs> and uh, I learned that was a big lesson. I learned a lot of things the hard way that way. How to handle big herds of cattle. I had a horse that was kind of bad. He wasn't hard to ride when he bucked. I always got the rough string. But I'd show up on an outfit, and my, I, I saddled, rode saddle broncs before I went in the Army, and I, so I had a association saddle and my bronc spurs and all that and they'd look at them and they'd stick me with the rough string. And I could ride most of them. I used to be a fair rider 
but uh, I had this buckskin horse that he was more bad about running away than than uh, than bucking. But, and when he ran away, he ran away. I'd just have to ride him till he quit, and that'd be a long ways. And uh, the cow boss, one day we were working a big herd of cattle right out in the open because we didn't have no crowd space enough for them, so we worked them in the open. And he told me, follow me. So he took me right in the herd. He cut out a cow, and he had me take them to the cut where they were holding the others. And uh, I... I thought this is going to be a train wreck, and I expected him to run away. But after three or four cows, you know, following out, he started doing it on his own. And and before the day was over, he lightened up. He'd stopped good, and I learned a big lesson that day. Just leave your horse alone and let him <laughs> do the work, you know. Yeah. So I learned a lot over there. How many of you would it take to hold the herd? Well, they had ten, ten Mexican cowboys, uh, the cowboys, me, and an Indian kid from Faithville, South Dakota. He was my friend. So when you pulled cows like that, would you, would, would somebody hold the cut mm-hmm. and, and yeah, the rest one. of you? Yeah. Okay. How but, many would you work at one time like that? Oh, uh, we never threw all them steers together that much. I think the biggest herd we had together was 3,000 head. And uh, it was, I loved it, just doing it just like in the old days. Yeah. Just the same. And I learned a lot about cattle and horses and working with people. I think that's really cool and something that a lot of people these days wouldn't understand no. is that like there was no corrals. So you guys were just out there in the open yeah. pulling these cattle. So for those people who are listening who don't really understand, do you mind explaining that well, process a little bit? Because we, we had corrals, but they weren't big enough to hold them. And so we'd cut them and hold them in a corner near where the corrals were, the cut would be. And in the big herd, the cow boss would ride in, cut out what he wanted. He was cutting out anything that looked sick, or the lightweight steers they wanted to put on feed and things like that. And so the other riders sit around and hold the cut, and sometimes it would be against a fence, you know, so you don't need to use as many riders. And then sometimes just one guy would do all the cutting, but sometimes um, after I got to figuring out what to do, sometimes I'd cut from one side and he'd cut from the other side. And we'd put them in the, what they call the cut, and they'd hold them, and then uh, when we got through, they'd put them in the crowd. I loved it. I just loved it. And, and I've rode here out on the Bay of Verdown Washes, big area for the ranchers here, local ranchers. And I rode out on the Arizona Strip. We went out and caught some wild cows not too long ago when I wasn't very young. <laughs> That's quite a story too, but it didn't matter how cold it got, how hot it got, the wind blow, it didn't matter. I still loved it. A lot of the kids, young kids that were helping us then, hated it. They couldn't wait till we got done. But I loved every bit of it. It didn't matter what kind of horse I was riding, it just didn't matter. The only thing I was particular about 
is I wanted a good saddle, so I learned to make my own so I could have it just the way I wanted them. And uh, so I rode, and down in Arizona, I rode on a ranch that was about 10 miles from the Mexican border. And they'd done things a little bit different down there, and that's thick brush country. In the summertime, 110 degrees, and you're wearing your chaps and your jacket yeah. just to save you, your skin, you know. And uh, I've seen some of them Mexican cowboys, and they're good. Cow would get away, and they'd bust through that thick brush, and pretty soon you'd hear the cow bellering. You know somebody <laughs> caught something. And I got to where I could do it too, but not like they did. Mm-hmm. Not like they did. And those guys down there would wear cheap straw hats because they lost them so many times. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that country down there. But So I cowboyed down in Arizona, and there was three ranches ran together. Uh, the ranch I was on ran about a thousand head sometimes, not that many most of the time. And then there was one that ran 3,000 head, and then there was another ranch that ran... 2,000 head, and we'd work together. So when we brand in the spring, it'd be quite a quite a thing that there's all the ranches together. And of the three ranches, if we were at a guest ranch, we got to do the roping. But if we were on our ranch, then we let the, get the, the neighbors do the roping. So I cowboyed in Arizona for a couple of years, in Nevada for I don't know, it might have been only five years, I don't know. And then I come back up in this country. So if we were to back up just a little bit, um, was did anything go on in your childhood that made you realize that you wanted to be involved in cowboying? Okay, or? I can tell you how that happened. I was, did like did your family grow up doing that, or yeah. was it something? Okay. Oh no, no. Uh, there's a picture of my grandpa. He was a cowboy. He had a ranch in Jensen, Utah. What was his name? Ira Gardner. I never met him. He died before I, when I was real young. But I've heard so many stories about him. But here's the story. My mother and my aunt and my uncle were on a ranch over by Whitewater, Colorado. They were running a ranch. My dad and all his brothers were in World War II. So my mother and my aunt and my uncle were horseback taking the cattle to the mountain to Mesa Verde. And uh, my mother was pregnant with me and she started having labor pains. So. We got her back to the ranch, and I was delivered in a log cabin on the ranch by the ranch owner's wife. Wow. And then when I was old enough, my mother would wrap me up in a blanket, set me in the saddle in front of her, and go back to herding cattle. So I started out kind of early. What was your mom's name? Gilda. Gilda. Mm-hmm. She was she was pretty good cowgirl. She rode. So I grew up in that. Uh, uh, my, I didn't know my dad that well. He, my mother and him were divorced when I was about a year and a half old, and he moved to California and she didn't want to go. But he was a horseman. He was a professional horse trainer, race horses, roping horses. But well, I never got to know him until just before he died. But I have been involved in 
They've done some farming, but I didn't like that as much as the cowboy. No. What's one of the earliest memories you have of helping your family? Because I just, I just assumed that you would help your mom and. Yeah, I did. Uh, Grandpa got old and sick and sold his ranch before I was old enough to help on that ranch. Although I remember living on that ranch when I was young, but I don't remember much about it. But my uncle, Cal, had a little farm ranch in Gen- below Jensen there, and that's where I grew up mostly. And he always had cattle and horses. And I remember helping my uncle brandish calves one day. And he just showed him up in a little corner, and we were on foot. And he says, okay, you think you're a cowboy? Start roping them. And I was only about six, seven years old. And I was missing every shot. And he, he was a big old loud-voiced guy. And he said, good heck, he says. Let me show you how it's done. And he just crowded him up in the corner and started grabbing calves. <laughs> Uh, he taught me a lot. He was a horseman. My uncle Cal was. He, he was, till he got in a bad wreck and got broke almost every bone in his body. But he taught me a lot about horses. My stepdad, Les White, he was come off a ranch up in Montana. He taught me a lot too. Whenever I, I rode a lot of colts, even from the time I was a young teenager. And whenever I had one that was a little spooky, he'd saddle a horse and go out with me and give me pointers. And so, Yeah, I, I started doing it pretty young. And then the people around Jensen there, if they had cattle to move, they always called me and my cousin, and we'd move them for them. I admit we probably thought we were big cowboys, but we needed to learn a lot. Yeah. Then I worked for a ranch at the Escalante Cattle Company. They were a pretty big ranch. They were the owners were out of New Mexico. They had a big ranch down there, and they run three or four hundred head of cattle, which was a fairly good sized outfit for that area. Mm-hmm. And I helped them with their cattle on, on that ranch growing up all the time as a teenager. And where was that? Up in Jensen, Utah. Oh, okay. And then. I worked for another rancher up there. His name was White Ainge. Howard Ainge, but they called him White Ainge for some reason. I don't know. I'd heard a lot of stories about him, about how he was a wild cowboy when he was young, but he was up in his 60s when I rode for him. And one day we were branding calves up there, and after we branded in the morning, he ran this three-year-old mare in the corral, and she'd never been touched. He four-footed her, put her on the ground, hobbled her, tied up a hind leg, let her up, got my saddle on it, got me on it, took all the foot ropes off, chased me around the corral, bucking around the <laughs> corral, then had somebody open the gate, and out we went down to the sagebrush. It's the very first ride, and I thought, this can't get any wilder. <laughs> but I'd been riding saddle broncs, and I was a fairly, I could ride a, an average horse, I did get wiped out on some really bad ones a few times. It kind of chilled me out, but just average horse I could ride. What would you say the biggest wreck you've ever been in was? <sighs> My goodness, I've been in a number of them. Actually, one of the biggest wrecks I've been in was after I was married. and Me and my friend Sam Rucker was taking our wives on a pack trip up on this mountain right up here. 
and I was riding a three-year-old colt that belonged to our bishop here, and uh, it, it was an Appaloosa, and he wanted me to ride her and give her so she just barely broke. So we started up the mountain, and it's steep. The trail goes like this, and the switchbacks all the way up. And we started up this one trail, and I was leading, and all of a sudden the horse just sat on its butt and flipped over backwards on me and then rolled off the cliff. And I had a hold of my hackamore rope, and he pulled me off the trail, and we fell down to the trail down below. And bang, it didn't break anything, but it sure banged me up. Come to find out the horse was blind. Had really? them white eyes. Wow. And when the horse would go from sunlight into the shadow, it couldn't see. When it came out of the shadow into sunlight, it couldn't see. Wow. Um, scared the heck out of my wife and Sam's wife. And, uh, and I've had other wrecks. I've had, I've had some rodeo wrecks. I, I was in a rodeo in Craig, Colorado, just before I went in the Army. And a big saddle bronc bucked me off and kicked me in the back and turned my vertebrae around and broke one side off. Cool. And it still gives me trouble. So after you met your wife, was she pretty supportive of you oh, cowboying yeah. other places and doing, doing oh, that? Yeah. She knew what I was when she married me. She knew I had that cowboy blood in me. And she... Mm -hmm. And like I said, she even lived that life that first year we were married. And we had, we had some good times. Yeah, she's, oh, I have to admit, she would get pretty upset if I didn't come back within a week or so. We made a trip once. Have you ever heard of uh, Pool Canyon? Mm -hmm. You ever heard of Stevens Canyon? Yeah. Okay, Pool Canyon's down near Stevens Canyon. And this is pretty close to where the lake is now. And Pool Canyon is a, in a deep hole, I call it. Because to get into there, you have to ride from ledge to ledge, jumping down like that. Mm -hmm. And boy, had 80 head of yearlings in there. And they'd been in there since they were weaned. And they were a little bit wild. And we went down in there and gathered out of Pool Canyon and took them over a, a ridge and down into the Escalante Canyon, somewhere near where Stevens Canyon is. And then we trailed them all the way up the river to Calf Creek. And it, I measured it on the map, and it's 60 miles from here to Calf Creek, straight through like the crow flies. But I don't know how many miles it is. we went. <laughs> it took us 10 days. Cool. And I was gone three or four days longer than what? I told my wife, and no, way, no way to get a hold of anybody. It was just me and Boyd and Sam and our horses. No vehicles, no nothing. It's just like any old days. I loved it. That's one of my big memories. And we slept on the ground. A few places we slept on, in caves. And then, I forget the name of that one canyon, about halfway up. I'll bet you'd heard of it. There was a cabin. Canyon? What? Fence Canyon? It might be Fence Canyon. With that cabin that burned mm -hmm. down right there? Right there. The fact is, we stayed in that cabin that night. That was a nice little cabin. It was neat. We were coming off this hill down into Escalante Canyon, and it's a long, steep trail, and it took us 
Well, actually, we only got halfway down and it got pitch dark on us. So we had to stop. So we let the cattle go on down to the bottom. And we stayed in a little place where there was a little spring of water. It probably drip and drip out, drip, drip, drip. So it took a long time to get us watered up, and the horses didn't get much. But the next morning, when we went to ride out, that cold I was riding through a fit right in that narrow trail, and her back legs went over, it was about 500 feet straight down, and her back feet went over the cliff, and I went over her head. <laughs> And me and Sam grabbed her by the hackamore and pulled her back up on the trail. Oh, my God. And I'm sure glad because I wasn't worried about that horse, but I was sure worried about my saddle. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have had to walk the rest of the way. So that was a trail that dropped down into the into Escalante by yeah. Stevens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That concludes part one of my interview with Roger Gardner. Stay tuned for part two coming out in two weeks. And like always, to put a face behind the name, you can find us on Instagram at cowboystories underscore podcast. Mm -hmm.